Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome to ICO 101, a Crypto 101 podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Paul. For those of you who are new to ICO 101, you might be wondering, what is ICO 101? And that's a fantastic question. Imagine for a minute that Crypto 101 podcast host Matthew Aaron spun into existence a beautiful man-child and named him Aaron Paul. That's me. Matthew Aaron then said to Aaron Paul, me, Crypto 101 podcast is the average consumer's guide to all cryptocurrencies and blockchain information. But these ICOs within Crypto 101 are a bit more complicated than any one Crypto 101 episode can handle. Therefore, record a podcast dedicated to ICOs. So that's what I'm doing. So what can you expect from ICO 101? Well, we aim to deconstruct ICOs from the ground up by answering some of the most commonly asked questions and addressing many common concerns regarding ICOs. Some of the questions but are not limited to, what is an ICO? Are they all junk? Who can participate in them? How can I participate? And what are the steps? What are the legalities of ICOs, both now and in the future? We will feature reviews on upcoming ICOs as well as active ICOs. We will evaluate the big successes and the big failures in the ICO community. Last, I will call out any ICO that I feel could be or is trying to pump and dump all over the crypto space. I think you would all agree that one of the best ways to gain knowledge about an ICO is to speak to the founders and CEOs of these ICOs. So that's what we're going to do for you. We are interviewing the heads of these ICOs and asking them all about their companies with one simple aim. Can they convince us, the average consumer, why? we should participate with our hard-earned money into their ICOs. And finally, as the 101 name implies, we will do our best to package all of this information in the most simplistic manner possible to help you, the average ICO consumer, learn, participate, and gain general knowledge about ICOs. So thank you in advance for listening. And now that you love ICO 101, go to iTunes and subscribe to us. Give us an awesome rating. We would really appreciate it and some amazing feedback. If you don't love ICO 101 and you want to let me know, you can by contacting me via email, aaron.paul at crypto101podcast.com. There you can share your honest, direct, and unfiltered feedback so that we can improve the show. Our aim is to make sure that you're fully satisfied with your listening experience. So please give us that feedback if you're not happy. I don't have anyone managing my emails or Twitter accounts, so you can be assured that I'm getting them. Speaking of Twitter, follow us and chat with me on Twitter at ICO101podcast. And finally, and you need to hear this, I'm not a professional investment institution, bank, lawyer, or accountant, and I don't pretend to play one. I'm not offering any legal, accounting, or financial advice, so please, pretty please, make sure you listen take notes, research on your own, and make an informed decision regarding ICOs. All right, everybody, we're going to dive right in. Today, we have two segments. The first segment is going to be an ICO review, and the second segment is going to be my interview with CEO Dan Gailey of Synapse.ai. So let's begin. Not too long ago, we received an email from a listener from Venezuela. He said we should look into Petro, a digital currency with the full backing of Venezuela and its massive oil reserves. His email to me had a mixed tone. 
It felt like the author was mildly reserved because Petro is controlled by the central government, yet optimistic about Petro because of its backing by the state's massive oil reserves. He asked if we could discuss this in more detail on the podcast. So I looked into it. It's interesting. Petro boasts that it's the world's first cryptocurrency launched by a government. Even better, it's backed by a commodity, oil. This is a tremendous value for those who want to see a cryptocurrency backed by some kind of asset class. Venezuela hopes that by doing this, they can circumvent U.S. financial sanctions on the country by utilizing cryptocurrency and blockchain to attract investors that would otherwise be blocked by these sanctions. The Petro Foundation has a detailed distribution breakdown in their white paper, and I won't go into all of those breakdowns here, but one of the following caught my eye, and I wanted to talk about it. The Petro Foundation aims with this launch to promote development of the infrastructure and training of young people in electronic mining, in coding, in cryptography, network security, and economics. This is a critical shift in conventional education standards, considering the educational system across the globe has been the same for the last 75 years. The foundation makes it seem like downloading and using a digital wallet is a cinch, and the president even came on television to decree that Petro is to be accepted across the country. These are just some of the few positives that I saw. Of course, there are negatives, and I want to encourage you to do your own research. There are a lot of positives, but here are some of the negatives and um, some perceived negatives and unanswered questions. Some of the negatives actually come from the citizens. I've read many comments from Venezuelan citizens who are concerned that the government is no less corrupt than ever and that this same corrupt government will hinder the adoption of Petro. Yet the government itself says this is exactly why it's on the blockchain, so that the people can see the transaction transparency being that it's on an open source platform and their hope is to bridge the trust gap between the government and the people. So you can kind of take the negative with the positive there. One big question from U.S. citizens, the U.S. government came out and said that U.S. citizens may be at risk if they buy Petro as it could violate sanctions that are in place against Venezuela. If this is confusing to you, imagine our embargo against and sanctions against Cuba. You can't buy a Cuban cigar. Same thing. Yet I've read many great things that Petro could do, not only for the citizens of Venezuela, but for other struggling countries looking to jumpstart their own economies by using this cryptocurrency launch with asset backings by government as a framework. So it's pretty cool. No matter what, though, the way I see it, one thing is for certain. Venezuela needs a new economic strategy. The government needs to gain the trust of its citizens. And obviously, the government's behavior in the past was not working in the eyes of the people. Therefore, I do not see this launch as a bad thing. Unless government makes the money magically disappear, that could be pretty bad. <laughs> so let's see how this plays out. We will give you an update in about a month or two. We're going to look at the progress. If something, if we see some major moves... We see some major FUD. Who knows? Let's keep an eye on it. A couple of little miscellaneous things about Petro. It's built on the Ethereum platform. Free ICO sale started February 20th and ends March 19th. From there, they will launch the ICO after some additional testing with their software. So if you're interested in learning more and participating in Petro, you have time. Do your research. Go on Reddit. Look around. See if this is a project that you're willing to participate in. Do not rush into a decision. Before we wrap up with this week's ICO preview, I want to reach out to the listeners with a request. This is an ICO that we would love to learn more about. If any of you are or know someone who is actively involved in this ICO or with this ICO team, then we would love to have you on the show. And if that's you, please send me an email. 
I couldn't find anybody, so I'm asking for your help. Now that we've wrapped up our ICO preview of the week, let me ask you a question. What do you think about when I say data is the new oil? What do you think about that? Dan Gailey, the founder and CEO of Synapse.ai, thinks, and really he knows, that data is the new oil. And he wants to facilitate how you monetize your personal data. And that's the topic of our interview. So without further ado, here is my interview with Dan Gailey of Synapse.ai. Dan, CEO of Synapse.ai, welcome to ICO 101. Thanks for having me. So tell us about yourself. Ooh, where to start? The short story long kind of condensed thing. (laughs) Well, I was grew up programming, started programming when I was 10. I grew up in the hacking and freaking scene, kind of a systems thinker. Right out of high school, I went to work at research and development at telecom companies, essentially researching what cloud computing has become today. Then I did network security for oil and gas companies. And then I ended up going back to school and majoring in electrical engineering with a focus on autonomous robotics and computational chemistry. Then moved out to San Francisco, definitely interested in starting my my own company. And yeah, just going down the AI rabbit hole and figuring out how that fits into our life and uh, how it can make everything better. Yeah, I wish I would have gotten to programming when I was young. Um, it, it was really weird because I, I kind of stumbled into it. My mom was a nurse and my father was a lawyer and I just took to it like, you know, a duck to water. What is Synapse? So Synapse is kind of the the magic moment when you have all these different technologies that came out and they're finally able to facilitate what is essentially a decentralized AI network. And what that means is you have the ability to create economies around resources like data and machine learning models, but also the ability to coordinate on that network, uh, facilitate fulfillment and contracts. So not only are you like getting access to distributed and decentralized services, but you're able to build on top of that platform new and emergent products. We kind of look at it as like Synapse is going to be the data and intelligence layer that runs through all apps, all devices, you know, all bots, like anything that gains some experience or contribute to these new AI superpowers, they'll all be running through our network. And so you said on your guys' website that data is the new oil. What does that mean to the average person? Oil did a lot, right? Oil did a lot, and it was probably one of the the catalyst for the modern industrial age. Mm-hmm. And what we're now moving into is this new AI age, where we're kind of relying on models, predictive models, to help us and influence our lives in new and more uh, impactful ways uh, in order to also create efficiencies in what we do every day. When we say that data is the new oil, well, data is going to be the thing that fuels all that, right? You're seeing it now. You're seeing these giant companies who are kind of monopolizing that entire pipeline, which is why Google comes out with its own phone. Apple has its own phone. Amazon wants to build its own phone. They all want to be a part of your lives and capture data, even down to the last mile. So they're essentially data companies that are capturing data and building models and using those models to uh, serve you better ads, serve you product recommendations or service things in your feed. Essentially, that model disappears once those models are done. 
Mm-hmm. So if you can create a marketplace or an exchange that allows anyone to participate in buying and selling uh, your data that you own, I think it will start changing the landscape of what kind of businesses are able to compete and prosper. It really allows businesses to focus on what matters, which is experience, algorithms, and building new, more robust and representative models. So check it. I go on Amazon. I browse for a new gi for jujitsu. Right. And then I go onto my Facebook and all of a sudden I see an ad there with the same gi that I looked at. Is that essentially what you're trying to get me paid for? I'm data. I'm browsing. And all of a sudden Facebook is like, hey, we know that you (laughs) that you're looking for this. Maybe you should click on this. And we just know what you're interested in. And then maybe they put on like, hey, you want a belt or you want some knee pads? Maybe I did, you know? Absolutely. That's a part of it, right? Better targeting. I believe that a lot of advertising, pretty intrusive, Mm -hmm. but really well targeted product actually helped me live better, right? Like if I can get something to understand who I am and what I need before I know I need those things, it starts looking like a pretty predictive world. Right. And it's it's not just about trying to facilitate a purchase, but it, it really starts coming down to trying to accommodate you as a person. I think giving access to everyone equally, the ability to participate in who you are and understand who you are, which is through your data, is super important. And right now, the example that you gave It's kind of a retargeting example where Amazon has to partner with Facebook or Facebook has to have some pixel that they know that you visited this product page or tracks your link or tracks your your link from Facebook to Amazon, essentially understands that you're looking for something in this domain and to start presenting you with alternative recommended products. It's interesting, but it's not really intelligent. I think once we get past this, like, okay, we observe the the current standard model of how data is used to sell me more things to like, okay, well, how can data be used to not just get me the things I need and when I need them, but also how can data help me live a better life? It seems like when you listen to a company like Facebook or Google or Amazon speak and they say, yeah, hey, we're tracking your data because we do want to make your life better. Even Target will say we track your trends because, you know, we kind of want to say, hey, you know, you got these things, but most people, when you buy these things, you get this thing, right? And then people tend to be a little bit nervous when that much data is being tracked. So how can you stop letting them track it. And then once you stop letting them track it, how do you get paid for it? How do you get paid for saying, okay, I'm not going to let you take it for free anymore. I'm going to give it to you, but you're going to pay for it. What happens on the marketplace are fulfillment contracts. So people come in and they'd say, I'd like access to this type of data from this user or these types of users. And you can choose Right. Because you you own control over that access, you're no longer giving it up to the companies for free. You can choose who gets to access what and when. That's Mm -hmm. that's kind of these parameters that you're able to tweak if you desire to. So you can opt in, you can fully opt in, you can say, okay, anyone that wants access to my data at any time, as long as they're paying me, they can, or anyone that wants access to my data for research purposes, they can use that. So we're talking about like genetic data, like that's huge. I just had my whole genome sequence. That's pretty cool, huh? It's amazing. I, I went through Veritas Genetics and they did a, an amazing job of not just sequencing my, my genome, but also the reports where there's insights about me that I didn't even know. So mapping genotype to uh, phenotype to more emergent qualities about my personality, things like that, right? That can only be accomplished if you have a large data set. Mm-hmm. But what's even cooler is when we start partnering with these companies and 
we can lower the price of the product by you participating in reselling your genetic data for research purposes to find cures, real cures to, to diseases. Like that's huge. And so not only do you get to control who has access to it, but because all the transactions are written across a blockchain, mm -hmm. you now have a history of who has access to what, how things were accessed, what resources were accessed and when. And you can start creating even more models around optimizing pretty much whole economies at that point. Wouldn't that be under the premise that Apple or Google or Amazon or any of these companies are on the blockchain? Yeah, and 100%. And these big companies, guess what? I have a lot of these big companies who created entire AI blockchain teams mm -hmm. to just come out and talk to me to figure out how they can participate in the ecosystem. So they see this as a real opportunity, not just not just as a disrupting opportunity, but an opportunity to. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand, and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply increase their awareness and engagement with their audiences that they have now. Mm -hmm. So if I download the Amazon app, right, mm -hmm. I'm agreeing to terms and conditions, right? The fine print. If you want to use this app, you have to check this box. And in the fine print, it's saying something in there such as we're going to, we're basically, we're tracking your data. We're going to use this data for market research. We're going to use this data. We might sell it to third parties, mm -hmm. for example. How do you tell Amazon <laughs> to pay up? <laughs> you know, like how, how do you say, hey, I want to control this data now. How are you guys going to help facilitate that control 
Sure, that becomes a part of the network's terms of service. They're essentially your terms of service. So when you go to participate in these networks and they're participating in our network and you say, okay, this is how I want my data to be utilized, you could set those terms, right? I think ultimately what it comes down to is provenance. Uh, and that that's kind of data lineage. And we're, we're going back to that blockchain example of like, okay, well, if you have access to my data, you're licensing my data for some price. And these are the terms of, of that license. And, you know, you can you can say, hey, like you can't sell this to third parties. And if you do to go to participate in this way, you kind of have to let me know. And that means control over your data. And that's super important. What we're seeing now in the EU is they're passing GDPR, which is the data privacy laws around you own your data and you should be able to take your data and the resources that you've generated from that to any company, right? So they're basically saying, we need every company to participate in this new way. And so far, the only person I've, I've seen even thinking about that is us, <laughs> like right. uh, that, that the data should be able to be shared between these verticals and we should be able to get the most out of the things that we generate. So I, I think in the U.S., we're going to start seeing that as well. It's a general data protection regulation, and it's a regulation by the European Parliament. And I think we're going to start seeing that in the U.S. where, you know, because companies have to participate this way in the EU, it's easy for us to adopt this idea of data protection here in the U.S. And what we'll see is more and more companies will start basically participating in this way. Do you see these companies transitioning? Like, are, are you seeing like if these companies want to participate in it, obviously they're not going to want to just go full-blown, hey, we're just going to start paying you for your data. Uh, you said earlier that some companies are contacting you to partner with you to see how, how they can build learning aspects within their organization and work with you guys to, to, to get, I guess we would be called, we would be called agents, is that correct? Or they're called agents? Any participant on the network is called an agent. That term is borrowed from artificial intelligence research and bots research and things like that. Yeah. Okay. So do you foresee some a company like Apple, who's already essentially tracking anybody's health with the watch or with the, the phone, do you see them coming off of the free? Like, do you see different levels, right? Like, say, these companies are going to go, well, we've always been getting this free from you, but we need something more specific. And we really can't ask you for this as part of our terms and conditions. So we want to do this project and we need this data and we need you as an agent to offer that data and we're going to pay you X. Is that essentially how some of these companies would, would go into it? A hundred percent. I wholeheartedly believe that the models that they've built are fundamentally flawed on the condition that this network is rolled out and people are participating in it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so what, what will happen is the, the data that Apple can get by... Uh, building this pipeline of you to participate in their network will have to kind of co-mingle with the network that we're building, right? So mm -hmm. I, I think we'll see more and more companies adopting in phased aspects the network that we're trying to get in the hands of everyone. Cool, man. So obviously, I got a bunch of data. I'm an agent. I saw on your website that you guys have a marketplace for me to sell that data, or you're, you're currently developing the marketplace. Is that correct? Yeah, it's an early alpha stage right now. So I'm a Solidity developer as well as just a general hacker. But uh, we developed the marketplace and we're opening up a developers fund as well as a developer portal so developers can join in and build applications on top of us. And we really see ourselves as the Twilio of data and intelligence. And if that example is lost on you, we're basically allowing other people to build third-party applications on top of us to tap into the network. Okay. And the marketplace is 
essentially the first step, the, the foundation in building out those other applications. Have any of the companies you spoke to committed to being on the network? And when will a beta be launched? I think people are just now trying to figure out how to participate in the ecosystem, whether that's infrastructure or being a provider of resources or even committing to development on the project. And we'll be announcing a lot of those partnerships coming up. We're finishing up launching the developer portal and the developer fund for the marketplace. The marketplace is in early alpha and we're working on the wallets now that will actually also act as how people participate in the network. So if we're talking master nodes or providing some decentralized and distributed storage and compute layer, as well as a basic DAP browser. So if you go to build on our network, you're able to use it to figure out what apps you can use and really start participating in what we're building. If you had to take a guess in the year 2018, how far along for any of those? Marketplace Alpha is up. We're just getting the developer portal and developer fund together. Okay. And then the wallet should be done within uh, a month, early alpha. We want to get it done before the ICO finishes so that people can participate as much as they can in the network now. Awesome. So speaking of the ICO, my first question was, what are the differences between the tier one to tier three tokens? And right now it looks like we're in tier two. We began yes. on February 5th. So we have tokens available. So does it close on March 4th? Is that what I understand here? Uh, March 12th. Oh, March 12th. Uh, we, we moved it to February 12th and, and March 12th. Okay, great. And what are the differences in the tiers? We decided to do it tiered because it is such a big vision. We wanted to demonstrate to everyone that we're not just here as like an, an AI kind of flash in the pan, kind of fly by night operation and grow community and grow product and really figure out how to articulate it the best way we can. So we broke it up into tiers so that people can participate at different levels. And each tier actually has a different set of discounts associated with it. The earlier you participate, the better, essentially. Of course. And <laughs> uh, yeah, and we did it over time just so that we can show momentum and show product being delivered and built and yeah, kind of change the model by which ICOs are launched. I think that was really important to us. It's like demonstrating all along the way that you're actually building something. And did you guys meet your targets for your, your pre-sale and your tier one um, offerings? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And how much are you guys trying to raise through the entire ICO? And what are you, you going to do with the money? Uh, so our hard cap is $15 million. One of the reasons why we're even launching our token is to uh, kickstart an economy for the community and help them to participate and purchase services and resources on the network. And what we're going to do with the money, I mean, basically keep doing business the way we have been and uh, keep developing. So I purchase tokens. I purchased $500 worth of tokens. What can I expect to do with the tokens? And, or what, I mean, look, people who are purchasing tokens, they want to do something with it. They want to either exchange it. They want to make some money on it. They want to trade it with their friends. What can they do with it? What can they expect with the tokens that they purchase? So the mechanics of our token are, you'll be able to participate in the network, exchanging resources, getting paid in the token, purchasing access to AI or applications that are built on top of our network. And within the network, how you can participate with tokens is you can create master nodes, which are basically, we delegate some services to you when you stake tokens. And this is a little more complicated than your average purchaser. But so... You can actually stake tokens to participate as an authority for some like delegated service. And 
get paid to participate on the network, right? What, when you stake your tokens, what do you get? What do you get paid back in? Uh, tokens, oh, right? The same SYN tokens, the same same yeah. tokens. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And from there, if you want to participate on the network as a service or something, you have to bond access or or bond your service. So you have to put up some particular amount to guarantee that you're a good actor, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have skin in the game, basically, to participate on the network. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, you can, you know, trade them on secondary exchanges. They're ERC-20 tokens right now. Okay, cool. I have a background in business management. Mm -hmm. I've dedicated almost 20 years to leadership and entrepreneurship in some ways. And obviously, this is nothing without a team, right? Can right. you tell me about your team? And can you tell me a little bit about your, your advisors? I saw a couple gentlemen on there. And I was just kind of curious, how long has your team been together? Mm -hmm. Have they been together with you since the beginning of the company? And your advisors, how long have they been advising on this project? And who are they? Everyone has been with us since the start in some way or form, right? I think uh, as you grow and as you accumulate momentum, more and more people around you are kind of sucked in because, you know, your vision and the way you articulated also aligns with their vision. And so it's really important to us to get people that understand what we're building, what we're working on, who are also good at what they do. So pretty much everyone you see on the team has been participating since the start in some way. And our advisors are Jackson Palmer and Howard Rangold right now. We have two more advisors coming up that we'll announce as well. One from a, a major crypto company that will act in some capacity as a technical advisor and another person who's just amazing in the, the crypto scene. Howard Rangold and Jackson Palmer, the reason why we have them as advisors is Jackson is a really good friend of ours and has been participating in the crypto space. As you know, Jackson Palmer is the mm -hmm. co-founder of Dogecoin, yep. which when I was working in venture capital in 2013, was one of the only cryptocurrencies that actually had any utility. People were tipping each other on Facebook and Reddit, different forums. So it, it was actually not just a crypto to speculate against, but a crypto to actually use, which was interesting, right? It was the first massively adopted cryptocurrency that while people might not have understood what crypto was, they knew that they can tip each other and that mm. it meant something. Yeah, the, the and so, accidental millionaire. <laughs> yeah, and so his kind of insight, he's really no BS. We use him as a sounding board for things that we're talking about and thinking about because he's been around, right? And he's seen seen it all pretty much. Mm -hmm. And Jackson is super, a super amazing resource. Howard Rangold has been writing about VR, AI, and has been a very prominent figure in tech. He's worked at Wired Magazine as an editor, worked at Whole Earth Catalog, and uh, was a member of The Well, which was one of the first online communities ever, right? And he's really just a visionary and an authority on basically, I want to say the future, right? I mean, he has such a good idea and, and good insights, and he's taught at Stanford. So not only is he an amazingly talented individual, but he's also amazingly insightful and has, you know, the pedigree to back that all up. And so to have him on the team means a lot to us because we can run ideas by him that he's been thinking about since before we were even born, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really important that, that we get people not just who are into crypto, but also into other spaces and have been thinking about this for so long into the conversation, right? Because mm -hmm. if you have somebody that's been thinking about it for 40 years, chances are they've thought everything that you've thought, right? Right. And uh, they've talked about it with a lot of people so they can, you know, make intros and help uh, articulate vision and really help guide ultimately what this all becomes. So I think it's, it's, it's important that we get, not just for optics, 
but very, very much people who are authorities and have been thinking along these lines for a long time. Absolutely. Advisors are invaluable, man. They're amazing yeah. to have great advisors. So that's awesome, man. Good for you guys. Well, let's close this out. If this is the first ICO podcast anyone listens to and they say, hey, I'm sold on this company, where do they need to go to participate in the ICO? They can go to synapse.ai. They can also visit tokencell.synapse.ai and they can participate there. We also have a special treat for your listeners. If they want to get free SIN tokens, they can visit tokencell.synapse.ai forward slash airdrop forward slash ICO 101 podcast. And they'll get some free SIN tokens just for signing up. It's an airdrop is what that's called. That's awesome. Thank you for doing that. So that same person, the same uh, new listener says, hey, I like what I'm hearing, but I'm still unsure of this project. Where can they go to learn more about you, your company, your team? Absolutely. They can find me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash DPG, just my initials, Dan Patrick Gailey. And they can find out more about the vision and more about the team members on our blog, which is blog.synapse.ai. We're going to link all that into the show notes as well. So, so thank you Great. for that. And finally, I'm an avid book reader. And when I talk to CEOs or entrepreneurs or leaders in almost any industry, I, I ask them about books. So for me, just a, a fun question, what is the book or books that has made the biggest impact in your life? There's Tools for Thought by Howard Rheingold. It's, it's a great talk about the circuitous route that AI has taken, as well as what it could mean to us and its impact for the future. There's Jaron Lanier's Who Owns the Future, which talks about putting data back in the hands of the individual and really decentralizing and bringing more democracy to data. So those will be my two big recommendations just to get started. I'm sure I have a whole library uh, of things that I could recommend that you read, but I, I'd start there, right? Because Jaron talks about the local maxima that we're in now, which is how we're contributing data to big companies and they're thriving on this. But in order to break free of that, we have to build something that is basically Synapse. And then look at Tools for Thought. It gives you the history behind AI, where it came from, where it's at. It was written in 1985, but it's a lot of it's still relevant. And it talks about you know how you can use what Howard calls as, as mind amplifiers, right? To do more and be more and to grow. So those are two good places to start. Thank you very much for being on the show. We look forward to maybe getting you back on here after the whole ICO uh, phases close out and catch up with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yo, yo, everyone. Thanks again for listening. Check out the links on the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a positive review. If you want to get in touch with me, then send me an email. Aaron.Paul at Crypto101Podcast.com or contact me on Twitter at ICO101Podcast. Until next time, peace.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.